Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's rock comedian and huge Kiss fan, Don Jameson. And you're listening to the number one ranked Kiss podcast, the Shout It Out Loud cast. Shout It Out Loud cast. Shout it. Shout it out loud. With Tom and Zeus. Mm. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place because the album review crew is back with episode number 42. We are calling this one The Conversations with Pretty Penny Kill. I'd head down the interstate to get away, but it's like I'm stuck in Vaseline. But it's okay. It's okay. Okay. Because I got these supposed 12 gracious melodies to listen to while I go numb. Tommy and Zeus, can I friend ask you why you picked this fucking album? Well, I'll let Zeus answer this. It's 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 his uh first of all, welcome everybody. It's nice to be back. Zeus, go ahead. This is this is you. Because uh I think I've name dropped this album probably about 50 times since we started our podcast. Might as well get to it, right, Tom? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and let's be serious. I mean, going from the Bullet Boys to Purple, it, that, that is that is like going from a package of bagel bites to like a like a, a fillet dinner at a fine restaurant. Boy, bagel bites rock, right? So does Bullet Boys when you're drunk and it's one a.m. All right, all right, <laughs> starting the love already. Yes, but as usual, we have to look at last time's. Uh, selection and it was Sonny's pick and he took the bullet boys debut i know we did a poll i think we did yeah uh, we Tom, did. what was that result yep. yep so the four options this was kind of a no surprise poll the four options are for favorite song off the album hard as a rock smooth up in you kiss and kitty <laughs> and shoot the preacher down <laughs> i can't even say the freaking song title without laughing 
Uh, and to no surprise, Smooth Up In You wins the poll 61%. Hard as a Rock comes in at 22. Kissing Kitty at 10. Shoot the Preacher down at 8. A uh, couple comments here from the poll in the episode. We had a couple write-ins for F number 9, which uh, was which was interesting. St. Van Halen says, does this mean you didn't like the cover of For Love of Money? That's a banger. No, it's not. Um, yeah. Oh, Brian Hecht said something scary happened to me while I was listening to this episode. I agreed with Sonny on everything. Though that is yes. terrifying. That that is a that's a terrifying thing. Our buddy Scott Rifen says, Why, Sonny Pooney? Why? Oh, and then we had some really wonderful memes of Frederick Douglas Mocktorian. <laughs> <laughs> He's going for the Frederick Douglass look. Uh, Ken Renton chimed in on Sonny's um, rock hard selection. Not hard as a rock. He said derailed uh, was not direct to video. I saw it opening weekend in the theater. Great movie. And it made $36 million domestic. So there's your your trivia for uh, derailed. We actually had a lot of people submitting photos uh, of seeing bullet boys live, which was kind of cool, I guess. Uh, vet Halen chimed in with a screenshot of his TV guide. Uh, and he says, I've been watching this show for a half hour and they haven't mentioned the bullet boys at all yet. And it is an HBO documentary on Frederick Douglass, five greatest ah. speeches. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But that's the fun we had with Twitter. Surprisingly, uh, Sonny, I got to give you credit. A lot of the bullet boys fans came out of the woodwork and supported you on this pick, which is, which is good. That's good. I'm glad to see that. So, so what do you got on the book of face? All right, yeah. Our our buddy Scott Sadowski of the Kiss Cruise fame. Yes. I always enjoyed this album. High school years. Nice. Uh, Stephen Holden. Well, Chief, what is up with you? I am hoarse from shouting at the car stereo at your outrageous, disparaging remarks about this awesome debut album. Nice. Uh, Paul Heider, Sonny Pooney. Hey, I think you might be my only hope for getting this one on ARC. It's something called Dirty Looks. Who the fuck is that? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. So your hope just ended because I don't like them. (laughs) Uh, Jack Pinocchio put a nice meme of me and you with our heads on and Sonny doing the back and to the left uh, comment. Oh, yeah. Nicolino says, I've always said that Frederick Douglass looks like the dude from Police Academy. Tell me he doesn't. That poonie sure can't pick him. A little tidbit, Mark sang vocals on Sweetest Victory from the Rocky Four soundtrack with a that band called correct. Touch. That's him? Yep. I know oh, that Jesus. song. Yep. Uh, great album review and one of my favorites. 
Next one will probably be fucking Maroon 5. Uh, I love Maroon 5. Stop it. No, you don't. I'm Sugar, animals. Absolutely. (laughs) G-string shivers. Oh, we love the G-string shivers. (laughs) Kevin Japson. Oh, God. Oh, here we go. What's not to like? This is just a fun rocking record. A couple of clunkers, but I'm with Sonny Pooney. This just makes you feel good or hard as a rock. Hard as a rock is one of the greatest 80s hard rock songs ever. Oh, boy. Ronnie Bacharski. My band opened for the Bullet Boys 15 years ago. What? Well, we were supposed to. It was literally at an Italian restaurant where they had bands playing the weekends. Shows the level they were at at the time. The owner was a huge rock 80s rock fan and shelled out a shitload of money just to fly them to Pittsburgh in hopes that they would pack his restaurant bar. Long story short, once they arrived, they were so messed up when the owner of the restaurant to pick them up, they were being arrested for public drunkenness at the (laughs) airport. So they never made that show that night, and we end up having to play the whole night. True story. Wow. That's awesome. Michael Murphy just simply says, Fuck you. You sure you didn't say one, two, fuck you? (laughs) No, he didn't say that. I think that's a stamp of approval for the pick, by the way. Okay. Yes. Joey Romanik. America's favorite realtor. Are the girls that are interested in Sonny Pooney's Get Busy playlist all located in the Niagara Falls area? You wouldn't know her. She lives in Niagara Falls. Is that different from the Sunny Pooney Bang Zone playlist? <laughs> yes, it's two different things. It's two different. Li- okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Okay. Not in his wheelhouse, in his Bang Zone. And <laughs> the uh, wheelhouse playlist is different. Okay. Yeah. That's three different too. playlists. Okay. Uh, our buddy Gary Cap. Yeah, angry airport Gary. <laughs> Excellent choice. Only album I like from these guys. It's the only album they like from themselves. <laughs> LP Stolino wrote. Oh, no. Lonnie Vincent? <laughs> what? <laughs> he writes, these aren't what you would call famous people. <laughs> Sonny, serious question. Did Bullet Boys have a reach overseas or were they just like a U.S. thing? Uh, just pretty much U.S. I'm okay. sure they played the festivals and. Europe or whatever Europe. every once in a while, but yeah. they're a U.S. band. Okay. Look, look, Frederick Douglass, Michael Murphy. As usual, great episode, guys. I was beginning to get a little worried as Sonny has had some good picks of late. I can now breathe a sigh of relief knowing that the Sonny we know and love is back, baby. <laughs> this is vintage, awful Sonny pick. <laughs> I couldn't be happier. Still, <laughs> Bullet Boys is Zeppelin 4 compared to Bad English. Also, oh, ranking this higher than Rage Against the Machine? I think we both did that. Yeah, uh, you did. What a little hope I have for humanity is gone. <laughs> See, Michael Murphy. Thanks, brother. We sh- we share a little brain on that episode. Is that a positive thing? No, it's yeah. not. That's the problem. <laughs> Wait till you hear my next pick. Oh. Mike, Mike, don't drive by any bridges. A couple of months. <laughs> just drive now. just drive off of it now. Yeah, because after this episode, after we do purple, it's the Patreon pick. 
All bets are off. Oh, oh. Uh, our buddy Paul Hader says, I'm start on the other thing. Uh, I'm starting to like the cut of your jib. He's talking about me. Bullet boys ahead of Rage Against the Machine. Oh, uh, Tony Barone says, Sonny Pooney, you forgot to mention Greta Van Fleet is the next Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Over on Instagram, our buddy Radio Chaos says, Primal Scream by Motley Crue is a direct copy of Smooth Up Inya. Virtual note for note. Primal Scheme came out in 91. Thoughts, Sonny? I'm hearing it in my head, and I don't hear it. I'd have to... I'd have to hear them side by side because I, I don't think the, think the way the, I the think tempo's the way the, not the same. The drums are like kind of like that rolling drum beat. Yeah, but isn't Primal Scream? No, it's slow. Yeah. It's a slow song. Primal Scream and shout. Yeah, and then, it, then, 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 then the verses are slow, kind of like smooth up in you. Oh, hmm. I'd um, have to listen to it. Yeah. Over on YouTube, Cody Brunette. 3547. This is a decent album, but I have four things to say about it. Shoot the Preacher Down would be the third best song on Diver Down or 1984. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. That's I mean, we've ah! had some we, we've nice. had some bad t- we've had some bad takes on this show. <laughs> Cody Brunette, you <laughs> wow. You, you made the list. <laughs> oh say. man. Uh Kissing Kitty is the heaviest riff. CC DeVille ever wrote. <laughs> I like that one. Three, when they took the riff from Van Halen's I'm the one for crank it up, they should have taken yep. the lyrics too. Okay, fair. Uh, four, the first two Faster Pussycat albums blow this out of the water. Yes. Oh my God. No, that's co- that is correct. He's Ass right. pollution is not better than the Bullet Boys. Ass pollution. Slurry God. I had a buddy of mine that always thought he, he was singing Smooth the Finger. <laughs> I don't know. It's the unedited version. While I love all your guys' shows, I got to bust your balls on some things. Uh-oh. Chief, there is no comparison between the Bullet Boys and that god-awful greeting, screeching, and awful good top playing of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Then to top that, Sonny, a Bullet Boys to Cinderella and Tesla? Are you fucking kidding me? Obviously, they never listened to Long Cold Winter or the Great Radio Controversy. The Bullet Boys are not in the same league. And lastly, while I'm happy for success about the commercials, we're annoying as hell. Keep up the good work and peace out. Um, If you listen to us on YouTube, uh, we don't control commercials there, fucking. No, we don't control. We don't control. We don't control commercials almost at all, especially on YouTube. Especially yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, there's nothing to do with us. No. You just hit skip and you wait. That's what sucks. YouTube right. was great when it was free and no commercials, buddy. But that yeah. time is long gone. Yep. Yep. Problem on YouTube is you can't really skip, right? Sometimes no, you got to wait you, five, five seconds. Five seconds. But on an audio, at least I can go. Boop, boop, yes, exactly. Done. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. That's why people complain about fucking commercials on thing. I don't get it. Just hit fast forward. Because we're yeah. spoiled. Because we live in the friggin' Netflix world. People are spoiled. <laughs> fucking skip forward. That, that's a, that's why they invented the, the fast forward button on these things. Marty White. To this day, I refuse to give this band a chance because of one word. Boys. Bullet makes them seem tough. Then boys. Ooh, they must be bad boys. Bad. 
I like that. I like, I like that analysis. The only thing that would have made that worse is if it was spelt with a Z instead of an S at the end. Yeah. Sonny just said, should they have called themselves bullet men? And it's like, what are the sports <laughs> of true? Um, machine gun, machine gun men. Maybe that would have been an upgrade of a bullet boys. <laughs> pretty men, Floyd. <laughs> pretty men, Floyd. Um, I don't know what's at thirty point five nine, but former big hair says, "Sonny, you are out of your fucking mind." Oh. Give me a second. I'm gonna find out what's. What at did I say at thirty point five nine? I don't know. I'm going to find out right now. I'm going to. And this I'm is on go YouTube. To. Okay, so he, Sonny probably said that this album is better than. Oh, give me a second. I have to wait five seconds to fast forward the commercial. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) It's got to be he was in rat maybe or something like that. Or he was going to be an Aussie. 30 minutes in. We're we're probably still doing feedback at the time. (laughs) So what he's saying is somebody just said uh, there's supposed to be the next Van Halen. I'm listening to guitarist and he's no fucking Van Halen. But I'm listening to the singer and he's 10 times better than David Lee Roth. Yeah, I remember that. He is that 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 is that is I, that's I love not hot, untrue. I love the hot takes on this show. That's not untrue though. That's you fact. know what I always like to say about things like that. People compare success. That guy from the Bull Boys, success versus David Lee Roth, is a joke. Oh, but you might say he's a better yeah. singer, even though yeah. he's in a, a very untalented th- band. Whatever. All, jo- I get all, all jokes aside, Sonny, I think the problem is vocal talent, Mark Torian. Probably is better than David Lee Roth. But I think the problem is people think David Lee Roth front man jumping off the stage, doing split, singing friggin' Unchained with Eddie Van Halen. Writing none of lyrics. that matters. Yeah, you none gotta take ma- all that shit out of it. I was just gonna say, none of that matters. That's not what you're talking about. You're talking about voice, yeah. period. Voice. Right. Yeah, period. but it, it goes back Sammy to, doesn't do any of that shit either. Right. But yeah. going back to that stuff, it's like I have a band, these guys tried out. Who do you take? David Lee Roth. Oh, Frederick Douglass. Visually, yeah. Visually, you take, yeah. You take, if, you, if you're looking for a front man to take over a band, you want David Lee Roth. He's 100%. His singing is good enough, but his charisma and his antics. Is and he writes account. lyrics, does he not? Roth? Yeah. Both do. No, but I'm saying, but David Lee Roth's lyrics are fucking. Van Halen, I know they're not considered fucking Bob Dylan, but they're good rock lyrics. Yeah, they're also not writing Kiss and Kitty. <laughs> Which is awesome. But my point where, where? is that David Lee Roth can write good rock lyrics. He's a lyricist. Right. He can actually write songs too. Right. Right. Give him that. Dokentorian. Dude. What? Oh, beautiful girls Joe. versus oh. fucking kissing kitty. I take kissing kitty any day of the week. Oh, God. Poor and son. that was at 22.6 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, the email I got is from Anthony Barone. Um, yes. ARC Bullet Boys, even though Sonny's picks are usually interesting, I do have to admit I did appreciate all the background facts and history that he provided on Bullet Boys, which I never knew about. Very cool. This is why ARC rocks. And, you know, that's just a little bit of the history lesson, right? It, yeah. it matters when you're doing this stuff. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. No, good email. Uh, and then we have a two-part email from Penelope Red. Hmm. Sonny, do you know what this email is about or no? <laughs> All right. No. Penelope Red says the Bullet Boys, seriously, a desert island album? 
I guess nobody should be surprised, but there it is. Being that I listen to mostly online rock radio from the 80s and 90s, I've actually heard some of these songs before. I don't want to bash this pick because it could have been way worse, which is why I and maybe many thought this episode was put on delay. Oh, that's right. I never heard about any connection to Rat before, which was kind of surprising. The debut album is nowhere near as good as Out of the Cellar, but I do think it is better than the Rat album Detonator. Well, if that's how you know Sonny wrote this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had forgotten the challenge I posed, making my own suggestion. Sonny is only going to believe his pick is better than mine just because they managed to get radio video airplay. Don't be fooled by his overview. After all, I wasn't going to choose an obvious, amazing album by someone that everybody has likely heard. Where's the fun in that? Every member of Red Sea is much better at their respective roles than these goofs in the Bullet Boys. Okay. At some point, Sonny has to get better at his selections. It just might not be too soon. This one scores in the top portion of his updated selections. So celebrate that as a victory. Bye for now. And then there's a follow-up. Oh, God. This is Sonny Wikipedia weapons and ammunition. I almost forgot the album cover. Unless the whole creation is Photoshopped, the apple is likely pierced by a fully loaded cartridge, not just sitting on an empty casing. The rest is fake since an apple would pretty much disintegrate from a high-velocity rifle round, which created less drag by again. Oh, boy. That's Did feedback. You an email about a fucking album cover? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> why not? We talked about it, and that's feedback. Finishing off with the glorious Penelope Red. There you go. Thank God. Yep. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Well, time to move on. Okay. And it's grunge territory now. Woohoo! Height of grunge territory, 1994. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my turn, I took purple. I've been talking about this album for quite some time. We're at uh, college at this point. My hair metal CDs got started putting on the lower, 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 lower part of the rack. And all my grunge albums started coming up, coming up. Right when we were sophomore, uh, junior years in college, Versus had just come out. 
We already started getting the rest of the whole grunge albums that fit into our five disc player. I already had core and I liked it. Didn't think like STP was anything different or special or like my pick of those new type of artists we were listening to, but we're kind of going on the next album of all the big bands. And this was the next album. And when this came out and I listened to it and big empty was first on the radio coming out. And then all of a sudden you have Vaseline and everything else. I gravitated to them and I took them as okay from Pearl jam and all these guys. I like these guys better. Um, and I fell in love with this album right from the start. Played it nonstop. It was always in rotation. Had it from the beginning. Fell in love with this thing. I think I've had three different copies of this. I've lost the CD a million times or overplayed it or whatever. But uh, yeah, Purple was just an album that has a lot of nostalgia for me. Uh, a lot of good memories. And it's just one of those albums that I can put on. I'm in a mood. I I can listen to it all the way through. I don't skip a thing. And I even all the way through to the second album. <laughs> Twelve gracious <laughs> melodies. Worthless. Go on. Who wants to hit the next line? Anyone? Not me. Damn. But anyways, uh, I, I fell in love with this. And you know what the best part about falling in love with this album? My friends all loved it, too. So when we played it, we all wanted to listen to it. And we all mm-hmm. fucking fell in love with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love purple. I've always loved purple. Um, it, you know, I think it came out about a couple of weeks ago, the anniversary stuff. And so I've been talking about it for a while. So when my pick came around, I'm like, you know, why fuck around? Let me just get it over with and pick this album. So that's what I took. So guys. All right. So this album's coming out. I'm 22. Music I'm into is quickly dying off. You know, I went from seeing the bands I wanted to see in arenas to seeing some of those in clubs. Um, so I'm home one night, probably hammered, and you know, watching MTV in the background. That's what I did at 22, probably. I hear this one song. I'm like, "What the fuck is that?" And it was sex type thing. So it was MTV sex type thing. That is like, what is that? Just like kind of like Man of the Box did for me. Mm-hmm. So I came in at Core. I bought Core, loved it. Saw them live at the Paradise Lounge, San Francisco, 92. Um, I'm like, what in the hell is Whelan doing on stage, dude? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he's either hammered or he's on drugs. There is something going on there. Mm-hmm. A year later, they came back, and uh, they were still opening, but they were opening for Robert Plant. And then a year later, about mid 94, I saw them headline with meat puppets opening. So there was something I liked. I couldn't quite place what I liked. Um, I liked the music. I liked what Scott was kind of doing. And then later I kind of realized they got a lot of kiss elements to them. It's just Mm -hmm. heavier and faster. But there is a lot of kiss in there. That's probably what attracted me. So Mm -hmm. I've owned this album since the day it came out. I mean, that, I loved Core so much that when I knew this album was coming out, I was going to go buy it immediately. How I feel about it, I guess I'll leave for later. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was sex type thing drew me in. 
Yeah, I'm I'm saying that. I mean, this was this is uh the sweet spot for us. This is college, and I remember when Core came out. I've always been a Core guy. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll get to how I feel about Purple later, but when Core came out, I remember sex type thing, and then Plush. I was like, holy shit, here's like the greatest song I've heard ever heard. Like in the last twenty years, is Plush to this day. It's still incredible. <clears throat> Spent the first few years of college listening to Core nonstop, or at least I did. I loved it. Uh, and then the summer of uh, after junior year, couple couple weeks after we moved home after junior year, June, early June, 94, Purple comes out. And I remember exactly buying it out. I remember exactly buying it the day it came out, going home, listening to it back in the old days, liner notes, reading the lyrics, looking at everything. And I was like, holy shit, this band has elevated themselves like as much as i love core purple is like wow like they are checking off all kinds of boxes on this album and it was just it's sunny you said it perfectly with the kiss elements I th- and i think the reason why stone temple pilots at the time stood out a little bit differently they really changed after after this album there was a little like wheelan was like a showman like there was there was before like what they, they weren't like "Quote unquote, like gloomy, like Soundgarden or Alice in Chains or Nirvana, or, or they were, they were, they had some energy. They, they, they were excited. They were excited about what they were doing. They were perform. They were a rock band, you know, which is what they should be, a, a rock band. But they had those elements of the grunge and the alternative. And I think Purple really. I mean, I might like Core better than Purple. We'll maybe we'll talk about that later. But Purple to me is one of those albums that." perfectly represents the talent of a band the musicianship the songwriting the singing that just this album is legendary as it should be for multiple reasons including in my opinion two of the greatest songs of this entire era um which we'll get into but purple to me is it's it's one of those albums that you feel like you know it so well that when zeus picked it i was like oh i'm like I don't even need to listen to this to prepare for this episode. But of course I spent the last month listening to it and it was like at the risk of sounding a little bit corny here. It was like revisiting like an old friend spending all this time with this album again and revisiting it now at my age. And I was like, God damn it. This fucking album is incredible. It's just, it's so good. And I love the fact that 30 years later we could say that. Or at least me and Zeus can say that, you know, when we get into it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Stone Temple Pilots. And I was lucky enough to see them. Saw them in 2000 in Boston. We had a rock, a, an alternative rock station called WBCN. And on the heels of the success of Lollapalooza, they started doing this thing called the River Rave. And it started at a, it started at small venues like the Sheds. And then they moved to Foxborough Stadium with the Patriots play. And in 2000, uh, Stone Temple Pilots headlined it. And, um, yeah, just incredible. Only time I got, only time I got to see them. Happy, to, happy, I was able to do that. Um, but yeah, Stone Temple Pilots, and and you, you know, it's funny, Sonny. Listen to your comments. I think STP is the band of that era that kind of pulls people in, kind of like because of what you said, like the rock star, the Kiss elements. They're not Alice in Chains. They're not Soundgarden. So, yeah, the the thing that always impresses me about STP is like, so. You go back to this, and everyone's mind goes, "Oh, Scott Weiland," but then you're yeah. like, mus- "Musicianship on this band, in this yeah. band, in the album, is yep. off the charts." Yep. Like the music that they come up with, it's it's both. It works 
because of the band and it works because of the lead singer. Mm-hmm. There's not a weakness in this fucking band. They right. all work on the music. The drumming in this album is incredible. The oh, vocals, yes. the lyrics, yes. the, the rhythm, the guitar, the riffs, the basses comes up with a lot of the songs. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing something on the, in this band. And yeah, there you are right, Tom. I, I feel like of all the bands, this band took a bigger leap on their second album. Like, let's try this. Yep. And if, if you go to a tiny music, the next album, and then you go back to core, you see where this album fits in right in the middle, because it's, there's some experimental shit on this album, but it still works. And there's some hardcore core songs on this album that we can pick them out. Oh, that's from core. That's a core type song. And then there's other stuff like, Oh, I can see the direction they're going. And they can pull it all off. They can do that country, alt, bluesy, uh, uh, hard rock, progressive, you name it. They can fucking pull it off. And it, it's because the charisma, the, the musicianship, and the lyrics, and they're cool, and they were likable. Dude, the band came out to a concert wearing Kiss makeup one time. Yep. And performed yep. in concert. How can yep. we not love them? Yep. Right? And it's funny. It's funny. You mentioned it, and they're they're... Their first three album trajectory to me is almost identical to Pearl Jam. Core is very basic, but awesome. 10 is very basic, but awesome. Then you get to verses in purple. They start to change. They start to incorporate some acoustics, some more experimental, some heavy, some real different things. Then Pearl Jam goes to Vitalogy and gets crazy. Stone Temple Pilots goes to Tiny Music and gets crazy. I would. I, the only thing I would say, Tom, is I think Pearl Jam made that big of a leap when they went to no code, I mean, I guess so. Well, yeah, they, but but, li- but listen, number to, listen. Four, number four is even worse is worse in an alternative direction yes. than yeah. even Tiny Music because Tiny Music still has Bang Bang You and Tripping on a Paper ho- Hole and a yeah. Paper Heart. Yeah, those stills can fit, but I get it. I mean, I I like that they experimented. I like that they yeah. had the balls to change. Oh yeah, we're a Pearl Jam clone because remember when this was coming out? Although they sold like. I don't know, 8 million of core people still calling them a Pearl Jam clone. Yeah, because because sex type thing and plush sounded like Pearl Jam songs at the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. he pulls off the Joycey voice. <laughs> but when this came out, it, it completely said, oh, yeah, check us out. And then people started going, oh, whoa, this is way different. And yep. critics started liking them yep. when they didn't on the first album. So it's a it's a big leap. Let's get into uh, the album itself. The cover. Oh, the little geisha boy. Stupid. (laughs) Stupid fucking cover. I can't wait to. I can't wait. I can't wait to rank this. Say what you want. Is this not typical of that era? All these these alternative bands. Oh, you want something strange? Look at this. Look at this avant-garde cover. Look at this stupidity of shit. Like, yep. I, I don't know what this is, but supposedly on the cover, that's purple in Chinese. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, the little geisha boys riding a, a girl. I don't know what the fuck it is. Riding a little dragon, Chinese dragon and stuff. I yeah, he's riding, the, the, he's riding what's called a Quinlan, Q-I-L-I-N. It's a legendary oh, yeah. ho- hooved chimerical creature that appears in Chinese mythology said to appear with the imminent arrival or passing of a sage or illustrious ruler. 
Okay. Yeah, all right, just play his fucking music, Stone Temple. I think it'll smart. <laughs> this is why this is and then the bullet boys are like, you know, we're just gonna shoot an apple with a gun. Like so we don't care. This is overthinking it. It is what it is. Now it's the, like it, like it you gets, said, it's the it's of the era. It's like, oh, we're so experimental and intellectual and alternative. You have no idea what we're thinking. And check yeah, this exactly. out. We're gonna fool you with thoughts 15 steps ahead. Like to just fucking put a cover of cherry pie and a fucking chick holding a pie between her tits. Exactly. Sonny, what 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 are your thoughts on the little boy riding the cool little dragon? Yeah, I never quite understood this album cover. The other thing is, were they big in China? No, I don't think right? so. Right? So, no. so I was thinking about this today. It's a reach. Oh boy, here we go. But it's their second album. Yep. You know, Kiss did the same thing with Hotter Than Hell with the Japanese symbols, and they had never been to Japan. This is why Sonny Pooney is part of the album review crew. That's right. Maybe, maybe. So is it a possible that it's somewhat of an ode to Kiss? It could be. And let's yeah, remember I, that Hotter Than Hell photo shoot had, I correct me if I'm wrong, like geisha style women in that photo shoot. That's right. Remember that? Dude, yeah. wait a minute. I thought geisha is Chinese and stuff, right? This is this is Chinese. Yeah, this was Japanese. I so know, I'm sure the Chinese and Japanese people go, okay. I didn't say it was the same. What I said was, is it a nod to Kiss because they're doing it on their second album? I like it, Sonny. I li- you know what? I, I want to I want to go with that just because it sounds good. Well, and then, and the then back even of the, the back and cover and thing doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, okay, it's a cake. I I, I like cake. I don't know what all this other shit is on this. Put the you know what this other shit list. is. Put put the track listing on the goddamn album. Oh, I can't stand is, that. This is the era. This is fucking. This is rip off Pearl Jam shit with the handwritten lyrics yep. and yep. with miscellaneous shit crossed out and stupid yep. shit. This yep. is Pearl Jam shit written all totally. over it. Yep. Now, is that on them or is that on Atlantic? That's not on them. They don't. They designed the, the island. Didn't say write the lyrics in the thing. No, but they but they're you in don't charge think of they like, saw this or something like, dude, this didn't that Pearl Jam do that with all their albums? They don't get a fucking choice. It's Atlantic Records. Yeah, but the band has a lot of input into like artwork yeah. and like, they might not create. Dude, it we get accused but... of ripping them off. Let's do our inner albums just like them. Yeah, I'm telling you, I don't think they have a choice. Maybe I don't know. All I know is the picture of Scott Weiland. Uh, good. I mean, we know we know how he was like kind of a androgynous at the time, but that picture of him that if you gave me a million dollars, I would never guess that Scott Weiland with a cigarette in his mouth. Okay. Do you want to? Does he look like hookupable or something? Was he look good Maybe. looking? Hey, give me a couple beers. They're all hookupable. <laughs> hookupable. Dude, is all I know is, is that a word. <laughs> the fucking guitar player Dean DeLeo is. Is he the one that's like fucking six foot ten? One of them is a fucking giant. And he looks like that political commentator that wears the pearls as a guy. What? Yeah, it's a guy. He looks just like him. I'll send you a picture. I forget his name. Yeah, so any any anyways, I've always thought the the cover was just stupid. I don't like it. All right. Let's go into the album itself. Released, as Tom said, June 7th, 1994. Produced by the one and only of that era, Brendan O'Brien. The man. So he either produced or mixed or did something involved with these type of albums. Ten. 
uh, versus Core. Get a grip from Arrowsmith, uh, Super Unknown, the Temple of the Dog, Jackal. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? That doesn't fit in there, but uh, Brendan O'Brien is a fucking legend, and he was really hands-on on this making of this album. The album went to number one. It stayed there for three weeks. It sold over 6 million copies at this point. Rolling Stone has it as number 24 on the greatest grunge albums. Mm. Uh, it was also number 73 in Guitar World's greatest guitar albums of all time. Never thought it would wow. be something like that. Yeah. And uh, obviously, it's their second album, second studio album following four. And uh, let's get to the tracks. First track is called Meat Plow. Okay, so meat plow, what exactly is a meat plow? Well, <laughs> I Google smoogled it. The Urban Dictionary says it refers to the shape of a penis, and the way to use it in a sentence is he plows through the interior of the vagina. Oh, Jesus. Alrighty. So Google smoogle also says that meat plow by Stone Temple Pilots explores the idea of using strength through love to overcome difficult times and mental breakdowns. I have no idea what that means. Um, I like that the song started immediately. I like the verses better than the chorus. The song's weird because it like rocks and kind of plods at the same time. It's really weird. That creepy harmonizing chorus thing. They're trying to do it like Alice in Chains. I, they don't have it perfected. Alice in Chains just pulls it off better. Uh, Scott, I was thinking about he's. People calling him Eddie Vedder. He's always been more Jim Morrison to me. I'm, I'm a Doors Ooh, fan. Interesting. So okay. to me, he's always been. And Jim was a little bit crazy on stage too. So maybe that's what it is. Uh, great buzzing guitar lips, uh, riff. Love the lyrics. Um, uh, what I thought was interesting, and I don't know if you noticed this in the pre-chorus, but they got these pictures of everything to break us down. Yeah, to break me down. So it almost like. They're taking shots at us, but I don't think they're actually taking shots at us. They're taking shots at me. They're saying the band's fine and that I'm the problem, right? So it's kind of interesting how he's talking to folks and he's almost standing up for the band, mm -hmm. but then pissed off that they're talking about him and not the band. I, I, 
I don't know. I thought it was a good song. I, I don't know if I would have opened the album with it, but uh, I thought it was a good song. Yeah. Well, speaking of the opening, I actually think it's kind of a smart move to open with this because I think this is probably the most core like song on the album. So I think opening with it, I think is a nice transition for f- listeners to be like, oh, okay. I, I love core. This is, this is good. Cause I think the guitar tone and I think the kind of like the heaviness of it is it, this could be a core song, I think. Um, but Sonny, you brought up a good point. I had this written in my notes too. When you kind of the song, it's it's funny because it has that main riff and that main kind of vocal melody, but there's a lot of transitions in the song. It's like it does this, and like there's like a bridge, then there's like another like chorus, pre-chorus type thing. But they put it all together and it it really makes sense and it sound it it flows well. Um, and I think the fact that it's not a long song, it's you know three and a half minutes long, which is a perfect length for a song. Um, you know, I, I think they, I think it's, they just do a really good job with it. All right. So I'm going to say it once all the songs are written by Scott Weiland. The music is by different members of the band, but all the lyrics are Scott Weiland. So I won't have to repeat myself. So um, I also had looked up, what meat plow was i saw it on urban dictionary and then in slang number two what a meat plow is a bitch who's fat or overweight especially if she i like that better especially she wears clothes that are too tight can often be found Supersizing value meals. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, this. I didn't see this. Yeah, <laughs> what was that? Unslaying. I remember because okay. I had looked this thing up when I, I had done uh on Baco has that grunge thing he did a while back, and we talked about purple. And I remember looking it up, and it said something about supersizing value meals. I'm like, that is way too specific. Somebody's just trying to be mean now. I can't believe that's what meat plow means. But yeah, anyways, um, I think this song is about his dick. For instance, he's got a lover, and she shows him how. And his brother does the same thing. So the lover is showing him how to use his dick when he fucks, and the brother is sh- telling him how to jerk off. I don't know, but it makes no other sense any other way. I'm, I'm just I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna jump in right here because it's the first song on the album. I have absolutely no idea what he's talking about in any of these songs, and I'm not even gonna pretend to try to decipher them. You might most be- of it is word salad. Yeah, you might you. We probably should have talked about this before we even started getting into the tracks. You are absolutely right. I've always said about Scott Weiland and his lyrics. They're in English. They're yeah. words I recognize. I just don't understand what they mean together. I am reading them. I have no idea what this is about. None. Nope. It's just and, and I can and, and some of the songs you can hear. It's not like Eddie Vedder. I can understand what yeah, Scott Weiland is saying. And I'm like, I I I, I don't okay. I know that word. I know it's that ra- word. It's I know random, that word. Yeah, it's I don't random know what phrases. They mean together. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's just fucking. It's not straightforward rock. It's that right. whole fucking era alternative. Let me be coy. Let me hide what I'm really saying, and people can decipher it. Yeah, he's anyway, not giving it. Scott Weiland is not doing the G string shivers with anybody no, on this album. This isn't fucking take it off. <laughs> exactly. Right? This isn't cherry pie. 
It's not fucking smooth up in you. It's it's like, huh? Anyways, it's a heavy opening. And I love the beginning. We have a, our friend Joyce who used to talk in a deep voice and go, hey, is there any mixers? And any <laughs> Eddie Vedder voices we would hear, he yep. uses this Joycey voice when he goes, uh, fine place for a day for our breakdown. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's a little Axel-ish voice. Or dar, dar, that is so easy yeah. Axel voice that he goes. And I love when he says on that last line from the lyric, got a bullet, but it ain't mine. And it's yep. just very... Like, just only one that can do that and all these grunge singers. He changes the tone in his voice, and he adds that little axolish part to it. Um, this is a very core-type song, I put. And yeah. you can tell in the songs which are core kind of leftovers, what they were doing, and what were, like, hey, let's try something new. This is a fun song to sing if you're playing it in the car, and you try to sing along to this. Um, you know, the whole, to break us down, to break, it's just... Typical of core type kind of choruses and stuff. The drums are awesome on this and so the guitar. I like the solo. And uh, the only thing I would just say about this fucking stupid title, but I don't mind yeah. this as the opener. I just wish they had yeah. a different song title, Meat Plow. Yep. Just, just fucking stop. All right, let's get to the second track. Vaseline. All right. So great drum beat to start turned into a great guitar riff. Uh, I like the pace of the song that whole flies in the Vaseline life in the fast lane. I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying it either. I'm not buying it. It sounds like Gene and Paul type quote, rewriting history type of shit. Yeah. Now I read somewhere. Whelan said it was about a feeling like an insect under a magnifying glass. Okay. Robert said it was a feeling how the band was being delivered to the media. Okay. Wieland later in his book said it was about his drug habit and that he was in the, stuck in the same situation over and over. It's, it's about becoming a junkie, then lying to your first wife. Those three, I can buy. The mm-hmm. whole, that whole life in the fast lane shit is stupid. Uh, the song ends weird. And normally I'm like, what the fuck? It just stopped? Like, what happened? But for some reason, it works here. So simple rock song, simple riff, simple, great melody, under three minutes. Love it. I think the song is great. And you would think that because basically Foo Fighters are writing the same type of stuff. I would like Foo Fighters too. I hate the Foo Fighters. <laughs> but there's something about Scott selling it to me versus dumbass Grohl. 
Stay I tuned can... for the Foo Fighters coming up next. <laughs> Had to take the shot at Tom for no oh, reason. That's okay. That's all right. It's okay. I'll take it. So, all right, are you are you done uh, waxing poetic on Vaseline? Foo <laughs> uh, is poo. They're oh, happy. God. Uh, Vaseline. So I like how they spell it with an O instead of an E so they don't have to uh, pay any kind of friggin' licensing fees to the company. Um, I love the fade in. I think the fade in is really, really cool. Um, the riff is just perfect. But the thing that I love about this song that makes it such an earworm so catchy is that weird drum beat. It's like an off. It, the time signature is like off. There's like a there's like an extra beat in there that just in that combined with the riff, it just, it, it's so great. Sonny, you said it perfectly. The song is under three minutes. It's in, it's out business. It's perfect. And you're right. It ends as, as almost like they like, like they pulled the plug before the song was over, but I like it. I like it. Um, but the, the, to me, this is one of the greats of the grunge era right here. This is, this is an incredible riff. Uh, great. I like the chorus. Nice, nice. Scott Weiland. and, just does so well on these melodic choruses and we we've only at the, we're only at the second song here but uh vaseline to me is just top shelf so vaseline made it to number 38 and billboard 2 to alternative and it was number 1 mainstream rock for 2 months uh yeah the whole he thought flies in the vaseline was life in the fast lane it's not even close no way no way uh, yeah uh, a couple different meanings, Sonny and mention them feeling like an insect under magnifying glass to like being stuck in the same situation over and over again. And three, it's about being a junkie. It's about lying to my first wife, Janina and lying to the band about my heroin addiction. Uh, the beginning is the bass through a wah-wah pedal that Robert puts through. That's that beginning. Yep. And then that drum pattern that picks up. And then the riff. That fucking riff. Holy shit. So good. Um, just and then there's that section after one of the verses, after the think I'd be safer all alone. And then the guitar. It does that little shuffle shake thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That such now that's a fucking earworm. The solo is cool. I think this song is a little bit it's and there's a lot of, uh, I think, influences Zeppelin throughout this song, album. This is very Zeppelin-like kind of little hooks and stuff in there. And, and I think that's what makes me attracted to this song. For me, what I love about it, like there's certain songs in the grunge era that a band can do that we love all these bands, but only one band can do this song. No other of the grunge bands can, I think, pull this song off the way this band pulls off this is so original and so to STP that none of the other bands can pull this off. And that's reason- why it, it, it works on me. I fucking love it. It is quintessential fucking Stone Temple Pilots, this whole song. The reason no one else can pull this song off is because it's got it's got pop and like psychedelic and like. I say Zeppelinish a little. It's got yeah, like the, like it's 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 got it's too much of for lack of a better word. It's got too much of a vibe to it. A lot of these other bands, they don't have that. They, they, that and that's it's like the rock, like Sonny said it to me. It's like that rock star, that kiss element. It's catchy, it's hooky, it's melodic. Yeah. And the although all the other bands had these charismatic charismatic lead singers, and they're all to me off the chart talented. 
the band's musicianship and the their background because of the bands that they like, the, like the Zeppelins and the Kisses and things like that, and their alternative mix it allows them to be able to play this song more so than the other bands because they do put that popish melodic stuff in there, and they're not as heavy grunge as Nirvana, who has their popish album too, right. just around this time earlier. Yep. Yep. Um, for me, I've talked about this song a, a, a bunch of times. This is about as good as it gets for me musically. It mm-hmm. is just a fun, awesome, kick-ass song, and it's top of the charts. From it's Mount Rushmore of grunge area so- era songs for me, definitely. Nice, not a, nice. not a problem. There are three videos for this fucking song. Uh, each one is fucking dumber than the other. X, Y, and Z, like the Rush song. The no, main that's Y Y Z. Oh, even better. It's not like the Rush song. <laughs> so um, every video has almost the same elements. It's just cut differently. Now, if you look at the original video that's up there and that's got like fucking 100 million views, watch that one. That is the best because it's got little clips of everything. The other yeah. one has stupid stuff. The video has got them like in Buster Keaton outfits from the 20s with a fucking crooked cane. It's acting yep. all weird. Girls hopping backwards. Fucking just stupid, like typical of the era, alternative fucking weird shit in videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when Metallica did their videos for Lowe. They're like, oh, we can do Stone Temple Pilot videos. Just weird shit that has nothing yeah. to do with anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Sonny? Nobody moves like Scott. So yeah, Homie is moving Wait like a minute. he has no bones. Is that a in his positive body? thing? <laughs> no, no, but he's moving around like he has no bones in his body, almost <laughs> as if how a fly would move if it was human. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he does that in his other videos too. Oh, he no, does I that live too. Yeah. I yeah. think it's like part <laughs> Billy Squires and part like James Brown. Like he's got the little leg shuffle thing going on too. So I don't know where the hell he picked it up from, but I don't know if it's just like. He's feeling the music through him. Squire-ish. It's a little squire-ish. If he went off a little much and had a, like a, a pink tank top on. Yeah, he, but Scott but Scott Weiland could pull off a pink tank top. He's that kind of a rock star. Yeah. 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 Um, there are clowns, flies, the band the playing. Guy, the guy becoming human paper mache was a little weird. That was weird. That was okay. weird. How about how about one of the greatest fucking comedic scenes of the eighties when they're showing the Oktoberfest dancers? Oh, dude, I'm thinking of just European <laughs> vacation with Chevy Chase. Yeah, that's the last everybody. time I saw that. Yeah, I'm yep, like, what the, the fuck? Why is this that. in this video right now? <laughs> that's yeah, in the ass. that's the best. I yeah, and it. then the kids and the people skipping backwards, and then the other versions are just different cuts of it. No need yeah. to get into it. If you want to see them, watch them. Go ahead, but yep, basically the same thing. I figured that water in front of the chemical plant was probably them stuck in Vaseline. Is that what that's supposed to be? Probably. Isn't that the Kramer episode? Didn't Kramer get thrown into that toxic water in New York when he was swimming? Oh, he was thrown into the... He he didn't get tossed in there. He went in there willingly. Well, then no. And then the other episode, he he, he said, I woke (laughs) up in the Hudson River in a sack. Yeah. His girlfriend, like his girlfriend, his yeah, his girlfriend thought he died, so the girlfriend's brothers came and put him in a bag and <laughs> yeah. dumped his body in the Hudson River. But then there was another one who was swimming in like the fucking yeah. chemical water or something. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I've been swimming in raw sewage. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next track. <laughs> 
right, Loungefly. So at the beginning, to me, it felt like a weirder part two of Vaseline. Um, the tribal drum beat, you got some weird industrial sounds on the track, maybe some percussion. It's like it's like a chaotic and kind of quirky song at the same time. Uh, I like the acoustic breakdown in the middle. I like the end guitar solo. Kind of had that 60s old school feel. I know Paul Derry was doing that. It's one of those songs where the more you hear it, the more you like it. And somebody said, I read somewhere, all I hear is Pink Floyd's Division Bell. Uh, Division Bell sucks. So I don't I don't hear that at all. Thank God. Um, and then what I learned from the lyrics, this is just my skewed view. You need the person you're with to be all the things for you, which you, which also means she'll be his woman or his man, depending on what day it is and how he wants to get fucked. That's what I learned from the lyrics. Nice. I'll go with it. (laughs) Yeah. Lounge fly. So I think we talk about track placement a lot on ARC. I think this is perfect because they suck you in with meat plow and Vaseline. You're like, oh, this is core, core 2.0 grunge, great riffs great choruses and now we're going to show you stp 2.0 right now and show you how we're evolving and changing as a band because now we're going to go alternative we're going to go tribal we're going to go kind of weird it's not grunge it's but it's good it's good they can pull it off the tribal beat is great the solo at the end is great it's got catchy parts to it and i think that it's a, a song like lounge fly is what like really just elevates the band from the core album which i still love but um this was always a song that like when if, when the i remember when the album first came out i kind of like i don't want to listen to that i want i want to listen to the i want to listen to the grunge songs you know but now first time i've li- spent a lot of time with with purple in, in a long time start to finish non-stop for a month and uh like sunny said you you kind of hear lounge fly more and you're like this song's got some cool shit some cool stuff going on here so yeah i like it so it's interesting um a uh, couple facts on this song. Uh, number one, we all remember MTV News, and this is the beginning of MTV News. The beginning yep. part of it, they took and they use it on MTV News. The other part of this is I'm shocked that you guys haven't brought up. Where was this song written? Tell and us. You, neither of you know. No. Paisley Park. They went and visited. Brendan O'Brien brought them there to go visit Paisley Park and they recorded there. While there, Wild <laughs> left the building and went up all the way in there trying to find Prince. And eventually he found them and hung out with them. Nice. And they're like, and then they all and they were talking about it. I the story is in the box set that I have. It tells a little, it has some fun yep. facts about stuff. Okay. So the deluxe edition. And it yep. talks about, I think it was Dean or Robert was like. We just have this visual of Scott walking around Prince's place, looking to find him, just walking around, just expecting <laughs> him to be there. And he was, That's and he ended awesome. up hanging out and talking with him. Yeah. It was wow. written there. Um, That's nice. I, again, I think 90% of these songs are about drugs. Oh yeah. With this. And if you know, this is very um, the, uh, Nirvana-ish, alternative-ish. Same mm-hmm. lyrics, same chorus, repeat twice, end song. And that was a big thing back then. It's the same fucking chorus and everything else in this out in this song. Um, it's 
alternative bands are doing that at the time in the chorus. And I don't know if you guys can hear it. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it. There's some sort of in the chorus banging. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, it sounds either like erasers or like a fucking tennis match when they hit it real hard. Bang, bang. It's just a unique sound. It's in the chorus every time. I don't well, know what the hell they're hitting. If you li- so, if you look at the at the the credits, it says percussion on Pretty Penny, and anytime anytime they use yeah, the word percussion, there's something that, there. It, they're hitting it something. Anything. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It just means that they're hitting some. So it could be a bongo. Yeah. But, that, be a bell, but that's could be not a, a that's yeah. not a very calming sound. I'm right. telling you, right. it right. sounds like a banging of some sort that they're like, hey, let's add mm-hmm. this in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other aspect of this song is there is a and it happens a couple times in this Bob Ezrin type breakdowns in this album, mm-hmm. which is like, how? Huh? Why is this doing in here? This is the first of the songs that do this. Uh, and I like the guitar work on this by Dean. It's a good song. It is. It, the solo. It, it the solo. the album. Great. Yeah. And uh, it's a song that's grown yep. on me as well as the as I've listened to the album over the years. Mm-hmm. It's become kind of a little bit of a cult favorite for uh, STP fans. All right. Let's go to the next song. Interstate love song, uh, that lazy slide guitar plus the jangly guitar at the start is totally cool before it kicks in. I absolutely love the vocal melody. That waiting, dun, dun, feeling, dun, dun, like they're little earworms. And not all the grunge bands were known for putting any kind of earworms, anything, but that's an incredible fucking hook. I love that the song is written from the wife's wife's perspective and what he thinks she thinks of him, which that hasn't happened to a lot of music that I listen to, but when it does happen, it always seems to come out like a cool song. 
I remember this thing was a karaoke staple. Dude, I guarantee there are memories or audio or video of me doing this shit in the car fucking full bar singing nice. at the top of my lungs. I, I'm sure of it because it's a catchy fucking song, right? If all the songs from the 90s were like this, I'd have been 100% in. So I'm reading, and this guy, Steve Thomas from All Music, says Interstate Love Song is a concise epic as alluring as the open highway. I have absolutely no idea what that means. So here's what I'll say instead. It's not my favorite SDP song. It's a perfect fucking 90s rock song. I wish everything that came out of the 90s was this, because I absolutely love this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, we've done 40-plus albums on ARC, and this this Sonny just said it, and I'm just going to kind of echo it. This is a perfect song from the intro, which I love. I, even just that intro, I love. The melody, the harmony, one of the all-time greatest choruses ever, a, a soaring, feel-good chorus a solo it's a little bit over three minutes long it's not too, it's again it's in it's out it takes care of its business it does it beautifully it does it perfectly it is a flawless song i don't say that about many songs if i've ever said that about any when this song first came out with the very first time i heard it it caught me it hooked me i'm like this is a beautiful song i can't get enough of it 30 years later i never get sick of it whether it shows up on shuffle whether it shows up on satellite radio whether i hear it at a bar or something it is a beautifully perfect melodic hooky song just god damn it it's awesome uh interstate love song it went to uh number 22 on billboard number one in u.s mainstream it knocked vaseline off the charts how funny it stayed on the charts for 15 weeks so stp had the number one song for 17 weeks total in 2009 vh1 said it's the 58th best 58th best rock hard rock song uh robert DeLeo, this is what i'm talking about the bassist came up with this on a 25 dollar nylon string song and he thought he would do something like in a bossa nova type song style and that's how he came up they came up yep. and then his brother adds some acoustic and then all of a sudden, Scott Wiling takes it home and comes back with this fucking incre- incredible melody. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyrics are about Scott wanting his girlfriend uh, all the time, having, and she would ask how he was doing. I'd lie. I say I was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love the little slide in the beginning. That's where I guess the country part of this, they get claimed that this is country. Mm-hmm. Um, the drums and then that heavy. STP song again this is similar to Vaseline it's a typical STP song no one else I think could make this song work no one else could make this song in that era nobody yeah and it just feels like you got to give it extra credit because it's so unique and different like is this a love song is this a a, a ballad or is this mid-tempo what it, mm-hmm. you can't even describe it but it just moves you. It works. It, it It's a great feeling. And then when you start harmonizing on the chorus and everything, and you just love singing this, but it, musically, the melody, the vocals, the lyrics, just, 
every time he sings "Leaving on a Southern Train," I, I, like, I get goosebumps from it. I do that's too. How, that's how fucking good and relevant it was to me. Now they did do a video. Yep. The video is like some silent type movie beginning with this character, and because the song incorporates the word "lies" a lot, his mm-hmm. nose keeps growing throughout it. The mm-hmm. band is playing in some like roof or a, a loft. And that character is just doing weird shit in the background around them. Best part of the video is Scott Weiland just looks badass in a cowboy hat, in my opinion. He can pull it off. He can yeah. pull off any look. He can wear a feather boa. He can wear a cowboy hat. He's a fucking rock And star. drive in the car with the boa yep, yep. in the car and just everything. I think it works. In the desert, they end up being too. I think it fucking works. Yep, it definitely works. Sonny? Uh, no, I, even the pink flamingo thing works yeah right? the homie yeah. can pull off anything yeah he can like, I, I just and they seem to have they seem to be having so much fun in that video yeah which you know you hear later that they weren't having so much fun together but in the video it just seems like they're okay mm-hmm. yeah right. i'm not sure if it was this was the video i think one of them i think robert either kisses scott in the head or scott kisses him in the head yeah i think like, that's in this they, video, there's like yeah. camaraderie they, they were getting along yeah. great it's too bad you know um all right, ready to move on. So now we're at a grunge love song. There ain't many of those. Um, this is where I get the country feel. Um, the guitar gets to sounding big as the song kind of moves along. I like the melody, you know, whether the song's about love or heroin, I don't know. So get this. It still remains supposed to be a dead body of a loved one. That's not moving. Is that still remains or is that his love? still remains yeah who knows right Right, exactly idea the idea of following somebody that you love into the afterlife okay that's interesting yep uh psychedelic song right so all right we mentioned it earlier i couldn't figure out what the song was about no so i listened eight times in a row the other day i'm like i am reading the lyrics and i'm gonna find out what this fucking song is about okay so i'm like all right we got bed, we got we live, we sleep, making love, naked feet, stabbing thorns, yellow nectarine, die, hold your breath, pick a flower, hold my hand, orange blossom, breezes, sweat, a gift, drink the bathwater, what the fuck? 
after the eighth, I just gave up. I'm like, I, I don't know what the song's about. I, Word I salad, baby. Yep. I, it made me want to f- jump off the nurse bridge. So I had to like listen to in sync to like bring me back to normal. That in sync kept you from jumping off a bridge. That's right. Wow. Okay. Bye. 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 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Don't give uh, him any ideas. Oh, it's coming, baby. God. Still remains. Uh, beautiful song. The harmonies on this are incredible with the riff. I love the, I love the pace. It's slow, but it's, it's, it's in a major key. So it's like if, if Allison Chains wrote this song, it would be like rooster. You know what I mean? Like, like it's S- STP can pull this off because it's, it's, it's a, it's a harmonizing tune. When he gets to the part of the song where he says, Oh, I beg for you. His vo- the way his vocals rise with that, with the guitar, it's, it's, it's a beautiful song, but my only little complaint, and I don't know if it's because there's that big pause, like maybe two thirds of the way through. I'm like, the song should have ended right there and it doesn't, it continues. So there's a, it, it almost like, it feels like a, like a little too long, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful song. It's very, I, I like the pace and of course, way Wyland sounds great. Uh, yeah, still remains it. Although, you know, you can say that Tom, it's still three minutes and 33 seconds. Thankfully. Exactly. Right. right? So it, there's that's two what I'm songs that are over five minutes on yeah. this album. Barely over five minutes until the end, if you want to combine the other thing, but this album is, you know, songs are in and out. Unlike a lot of the songs from this era. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, I think the vocals make this song. This is not an easy song to sing. Uh, it's pretty cool. I like the moody, almost melancholy type mood that it comes. The drums are cool. Again, Zeppish. I feel I get a little bit of from this. Um, the lyrics, Sonny, I, I said the same thing. Pick a song and sing a yellow nectarine. Huh? I know pick. I know what a song is and sing means. I know what yellow is. I know what nectarine is. What the fuck does that mean combined? I don't know. I have no idea. I like um, sipping orange something blossoms. It reminds me of the yeah. Seinfeld episode when they're drinking champagne coolies. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if what he's doing, because Phil Collins used to say that when he was writing music, he would mush mouth words. Yes. That's where Susudio came from. Like Susudio, it just fit and he can figure out something better. So he just went with it. So I wonder if it's him kind of mush mouthing as his stuff's getting written. And it's like, you know what? This is just stream of consciousness. What's coming into the head. And I'm going to just put it down. Yeah. Um, But again, I, I, I love this for what, you know, what, what this is. I take it for what it's worth. I mean, this is not a hard rock type song. Still nope. remains. Read these lyrics. This is not lick it up or <laughs> living on a prayer. Like no. you know exactly the story on living on a prayer. So yes, you do. I, yeah, this is just just take it for what it's what it is. You right. Okay, let's go to the last song on side one.
find that there's no one sleeping gone Pretty Penny was her name She was loved and we all will miss her Pretty Penny. Okay, so this song to me shows the versatility, the variety. You got the Indian sounding drums, acoustic guitars, you got coins in there, you got keys in there, you got tambourines in there. Like it it's a mix of all kinds of things. Stripped down, a little bit folk rock, a little bit psychedelic pop, enhanced by production. You got this weird tuning, the vo- vocals are almost off. That's almost endearing. Did Penny leave? Did she die? We don't really know. So it was weird. I, I, you know, I hadn't heard this album from start to finish in a while. I'm listening the other day and I'm like, I didn't completely hate this song. I didn't completely love this song. It's like too weird to hate and it's too weird to love. It's now I can tell you that all this shit about their Pearl Jam, blah, 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 any better bullshit. I fucking hate Pearl Jam. <laughs> if it wasn't for Scott, I wouldn't have even paid attention to this song. It's Scott that's keeping me interested. Mm-hmm. Eddie would have never kept me interested in this. So there's something about, you know, and you guys are the experts on all this kind of music. And you're right. I don't know if there's other grunge bands that could have done what this is doing. No. But I think this this is a kind of versatility that Slash saw. And this is why he ended up in Velvet Revolver. Velvet Revolver. Yeah. And not... Not the guy from Buck Cherry, right? That yep. they were looking at anyway. Right? Yep. Yeah, this is um this is the first song on the album where I'm like, ah, it's just it's just not doing it for me. It's a little too experimental, it's a little too alt, it's a little too kind of left turn for me. Um Sonny, you said it, you know, Waylon keeps it interesting for me. Um According to him, he said the song was his last desperate attempt to prove to himself that he's not a drug addict, which obviously, sadly, proved to be false because we all know how he passed away. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll give him credit for, you know, what they're trying to do. It just doesn't work for me. It's, you know, we say this a lot about some of the bands that we talk about on air. See, this is just not what I want to hear from Stone Temple Pilots. So this, this is this one doesn't do it for me. All right, so Pretty Penny. Uh, this actually made it to number 12 on the mainstream charts. Wow. It was like a promotional single. Um, this is what I love about Stone Temple Pilots, that they can pull this off. It's very different than most, in, uh, especially of that era. It's like an Indian acoustic Zeppelin-type t- tune. And I-, I love it. It's like a haunting melody. It's He keeps talking about Penny and all that other stuff and just... I think it works. I think Scott can pull this off. And uh, and as he said, I think people will either love this or hate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He said, I don't that, hate, I don't hate it. I just don't like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I just like that gone in the weekend and morning yeah. gone and you find it in evening gone. <laughs> this is what you would call alternative music. Yes. It it's not, it's not it grudge. It's not yeah. grudge music. Yeah, and I mean, but again, if you think about the era, they do a lot of acoustic songs, and they just did. And this is a little. They just did Dancing Days, not long. Yeah, but I don't think the I don't think the acoustic is the problem. The the problem with me is the percussion and the drums, that tribal rhythmic beat. Well, that's thing. what it they just, did to Dancing Days. 
they stripped it down and gave it that little percussion. Right. The, right. The stuff. But I it's also, but a little... dancing days is a Zeppelin song. <laughs> so they well, that's why I get the Zeppelin feeling from this a little bit, but anyways, it's either hit or miss. I like it. I think it fits the mood of the album. Um, but again, it's not one of those fuck dude. I want to crank something. Where's a uh, pretty penny, you know, but if <laughs> exactly. this album is playing, it's just playing. It continues. So let's turn the album over. Let's go to side two in the next track. Silver Gun Superman. So I did not know a silver gun was a heroin loaded syringe. Thank you very much. Mm, yeah. Yep. Um, you do now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, supposedly the song might be about a jealous friend backstabbing him. Maybe uh, musically the riff has a little evil to it. It's sinister sounding, but then it also has like the psychedelic feel. So it's got that Zeppelin heavy um, for me. Scott's voice, the vocal tone, the nuances really connected to me. Um, this song's really more hard rock than grunge to me. Uh, the guitar solo at the end that gets loud. I kind of love that, but that weird end uh, that break down at the end, it was like, like they're jamming the garage and mom calls out, says ice cream and cookies, turn that shit off and come inside. <laughs> and they just like one at a time, like unplug. It's it's just so weird, depending on how bad you want the ice cream or whatever. Um, I also thought, uh, you know, you hear, especially singers, they're the ones that usually say it the most because of the lyrics and what they're singing about that. They say, you know, the art is how they kind of deal with what they're dealing with in life, right. And playing live and being on the road kind of puts them in the place they want to be the grunge guys it seemed like they were singing about what they were going through but they didn't actually get through what they were going through like it, yep. they were almost like they were becoming more of what they were singing about so odd mm-hmm. right it's a great it's a great point yeah yeah this song is just incredible because this song this is the little touches and nuances that stone temple pilots adds to these songs when you hear that this this riff this is like allison chains or whatever it's heavy it's sludgy it's aggressive it's distorted but it's got melody and harmony because of scott wyland and the rest of the band they add something to it the chorus is incredibly melodic and it it switches gears so so amazingly from the verses i mean when he says you towed the line and i know it was mine 
like his vocal tone and what the band is doing in the background. And then they bring you back into that. Da, 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 da. It's just, it's an incredible, heavy, heavy song. The solo is awesome. The outro solo and Sonny that, that the ending of the song, if you listen to it, I'm listening to this in the headphones. I don't, I think there's two songs being faded in and out. I don't think, cause you can still hear some of Silver Gun Superman, but then all of a sudden you'll start to hear a completely independent, separate drum beat. And then it's like two songs just like crashed head on. Like, so it's almost like there was another song going on and then the producer like faded it into Silver Gun Superman. It's weird. But either, either way, the ending is just, it's jarring. It's weird. Um, but this song kicks ass. What a fucking great title. Silver Gun Superman. Awesome tune. Yeah, Silver Gun Superman. I, I, the first thing I put is heavy. It's AIC like, uh, yep. core like, uh, and he's got another Kurt similarity here. And if you read the lyrics, it's right W R I T E a wave and ride R I D E a lie. Yep. yep. And that's the a takeoff. I don't know if it's a tip of the hat or what to Nirvana's breed. Where you can plant a house, you can build a tree. Yeah, that's just a backwards anal- uh, uh, analogy that he's using. And uh, I always think you told a lie. That's what I used to always think he's saying. Until that's what I did too. Off, yeah, you told yeah. a line. Yeah. Oh, that's it. And he's got the Ezrin bridge in there again. The fucking drums on this are awesome. So heavy, so so fucking cool. Especially right before you told the line where he yep. just fucking hits them hard. Um, I love the outro work by Dean, and then you hear at the end. Did you guys catch? If you uh, listen to it closely, they laugh. Yep. And at the end, yes. he goes, "Oh God." Yes, you can so hear that at the like very almost end. like Sonny's right that they're like, "All right, fuck it, yep. we got to go." All right, finish up, and he puts his guitar down, and drumming still happening to something else. Oh, we got to go. Uh, all right. Yeah. Just yep. Stops there. Uh, it's another heroin song or another be- song about betrayal. You're right. You know, it's someone else's jealousy and things like that. But Silver Gun Superman has always been a favorite deep cut mm-hmm. uh, from STP. Amon. Love it. Next. Yeah. 
So we get to Big Empty and time to take her home. The 90s power ballad, in my opinion. Uh, as Tommy said earlier, song was on the Crow soundtrack. Crow soundtrack went triple platinum. Great movie, by the way. They're rebooting it, I heard, by the way. I, um, God damn it, don't do it. Yeah, they are. I know. Um, movie was number one. Album was number one. I mean, that couldn't have hurt the pocketbook any. Uh, the rest of that album, I don't think, is all that great. So if it ends up being ARC, that's going to be a problem. The, anyway, rest of the, album, no. the rest of the album is weird. There's some really left-turn alternative shit, yeah, but there's some, some cool really stuff on there. Stuff in there. Yeah. Um, slide guitar, bluesy riff. Um, Scott really shows his dynamics by almost in the verses, sounding like he's almost scared, and then that huge chorus that comes. He got this horror movie quality kind of song to it where there's like a almost an uneasy creepy feeling like something really wrong is about to happen especially the bridge and then like the guitar was getting like louder and louder and louder and louder and loud like it was getting closer and closer to the mic which was cool uh the lyrics i don't know if you caught this but too much walking shoes worn thin too much tripping my soul's worn thin like the shoes souls exactly i love that I, I, I love that yep right yep that's that's it's great that's done well yep um I just think it's, you know, this is how I would have wanted any 90s ballad by these grunge guys to kind of sound like. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, I'll say I've been divorced. I'm happily married to my beautiful wife. And every conversation fucking kills. That's just how it is. <laughs> it's a great line. I know. It's a great lyric. Yeah. So Big Empty, I heard it the first time when the Crow soundtrack was released. Absolutely loved the soundtrack. And my head split open when I first heard this song because I loved Core. And I was like, holy shit, like what is happening right now? Purple comes out. I was thrilled to see it added to Purple. Um, I mentioned Interstate Love Song is like a perfect song, like like just a perfect song. Big Empty to me. I can't. It's amazing that one album to me can have two perfect songs. Two of the greatest songs of the entire generation are "Interstate Love Song" and "Big Empty." Um, one and of the most and hard as a rock. <laughs> also, yes, thank you. Yes, of the of the eighties. Yes, you're right. One of the most beautiful choruses, but I think the thing that makes this chorus so powerful and so striking is how quiet and peaceful and thoughtful the verses are. And then as you hear the drums and the buildup and then the, the crashing of the drums and the band, and then Scott, I get goosebumps like talking about it, as his voice just rises in that in the chorus. The song is just, ah, it's just so good. Two songs on one album that I just adore and could never get sick of. And my God, the Big, big Empty is just, ah, so damn good. All right. The Big Empty, it went to number 50 on Billboard, three on Mainstream, and seven on Alternative. Mm-hmm. So they filmed MTV all um, unplugged November mm-hmm. 7th, 1993. This is seven months before purple. And then they performed mm-hmm. it then. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and they talked about it, that it's coming. It's going to be on our next album. It goes on the crow soundtrack. The crow soundtrack went to number one. And this was one of those things, just like nearly lost you ends on sweet oblivion wood. It yep. ends, ends up dirt. Right. Yep, and they're yep. like, and so I think Tom, you were talking to us earlier about the fact that the producer was basically saying like, all right, we have enough albums. We need to get another song. And the uh, manager of the band, I think his name is uh, Steve Stewart. 
He was like, oh, you're putting this on. They're like, we already have it. People already know it. So, and then they're like, no, 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 you're fucking putting this on the album. So they put that on the album. Of course you're going to. So it already hyped up this album. I feel this song is plush, creep, a continuation of that. Same type of, you know, where it's the, you're listening to that chorus and the singer hitting those notes. Mm-hmm. Again, like, I feel like this song would be horrendous if any other band did this. Like, oh, this totally. is fucking stupid. The only reason this works is because Scott Wyland and Stone Temple Pilots. Because yep. I shouldn't really like this song. You know, just even the whispering lyrics. Love it. I think faster in my car. car. <laughs> oh, I was really hurting my car today. Just like, just that. And then all of a sudden, boom, drums hit and the chorus comes. And you know yep. it's STP. Now, here's the thing I don't understand. Here's the thing I do not understand. All these bands had official unplugged releases, except oh, for Pearl Jam, which came out later on bootleg CD and was just recently released yeah, officially on vinyl, <laughs> yeah. on vinyl. Yes. Stone Temple Pilots Unplugged was never released officially. I have a bootleg. There's a well. Can't get well, it on CD. I can right. only get it on you vinyl. There's a well-circulated vinyl bootleg that I have of their MTV Unplugged performance. Sounds amazing. It's incredible. I would love to find out why certain bands like Nirvana or Alice in Chains, why would you not release? This band is tailor-made to be unplugged. And they were, and it was awesome, but it was never released as part of their official discography, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't get it. It's too bad. It's too bad because it's incredible performance. I think the other other weird thing is, why does a big empty have a video with the crow soundtrack? Right. Just movie shots of the crow. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Or the other video. We'll get to it, but it won an MTV award for best song from a movie. Uh, yep. Like, not that that's a big deal, but um, again, I just, I'm just fascinated with the fact that SDP could pull this off. Nobody else can. Mm-hmm. Um, the video, there is a video of it. The video yep. is the MTV unplugged. So when they released MTV unplugged, for on MTV, they didn't have this song in the set list. Yep. And imagine. then they put it in as a video for the song for the crow. And it's mm-hmm. him and uh very reminiscent. I don't know if he started because this is 93 in a rocking chair singing this song. Yep. Right? And that's the video basically, the MTV shot of the unplugged. But yep. It's uh, it, it's too bad that it's not out there accessible to everybody else to get the unplugged of this. But I agree. Um, let's go to the next song. Let's do it.
unglued moderation is masturbation. Um, okay. The opening riff grabs you immediately. I love the go big or go home type lyrics. It is a nice, nice, quick, compact song. I get the Nirvana comparison because I got this thing coming over me is very Nirvana. Even the guitar solo is kind of there. The pace is there. The riff is a little bit there. The overall feels a little bit there. To me, it's like Nirvana and Motorhead put together. But what's interesting is I fucking hate Motorhead and I fucking can't stand Nirvana. But I did like this song. So and gotta, why do you? And it's because of Scott Weiland again. It's got to be Scott. It has to be Scott. Yep. But one of my favorite renditions of this song, oh no, is December '94 on Letterman. Dude, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but they start with Christmas time is here. I watched it live. Then they blow people's head off when they go into unglued. But Scott doing the weirdo, I ain't got no bones in my body move. What the hell is going on? He's completely lit on letter. Oh, yeah. But it's a great rendition. I, I actually really like unglued. Yeah, unglued. Again, we talk, or I talk about, we talk about track listing. This is a perfectly organized track list here because you come out from like the kind of melancholy or, you know, the, the, the emotional big empty. And this is just balls to the wall guitar. The song from start to finish, it does not stop. It's a simple song. It's a simple riff. It's got a great solo. It's got a great chorus. In, out, thank you. Two and a half minutes long, ballsy. It's awesome. Um, one thing that's kind of weird about this, I noticed it at the very beginning of the song, the snare drum on this song sounds different. Like it sounds like it's got like a, a kind of a different snap to it, like a different sound that I love. Um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, the, how can you not love this riff? And the, you, the fact that the song, it never slows down. It's two and a half minutes of just pedal to the metal. Um, great song. Some other bands probably could have turned this into a kind of derivative type of alt rock shit. But again, we keep singing the praises of Scott Weiland and he just, his, his vocal abilities and he just turns us into something special. Uh, the song was a promo single. It made it to number eight mainstream 16 alt rock. Uh, this is core. This straightforward hard rock to me. I differ from you guys. I, I think this is about, I like the song. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. I think it's not very different because it's it's almost straightforward hard rock. Yeah, does it? It's not very um, Stone Temple Pilots like their like uh, original to them. Like I think it's a lot simple. of bands could have pulled it's this simple. off. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of bands could have pulled this off. I, I mean, I like it. So I think that it's the song. I don't really think it's just Scott because okay. I think other bands could have pulled this off because it's a fun song. The yeah. riff is fucking awesome. And then I I was gonna tell this Stonehill story, brother Mike's. We're hanging okay. out. Gave Esteban his seven X meatballs oh, and some chicken wings. Hey, Juice, you want some chicken wings? <laughs> poor bastard. He was a nice kid. He was a strong kid, too. Muscles and stuff. But he had the worst lisp. And he was so, hey, Juice, you want some, you want some meatballs? <laughs> he, they would have, what did they have? Meatballs? And what else did they serve at Brother Mike's? Do you remember? Uh... I know they had like wings, didn't they? Have- Wasn't like hot dogs or something? Yeah. <laughs> I think the place had one fucking pool hall, pool table. Yeah, and it was and like they- it was, and it was like Frank Costanza's pool table. You yeah, had to use like a fucking, <laughs> like a like a little friggin' 
like a, a big pen, like to fucking you had to use the maestro's and conductor one, thing. And one foosball table. Yep. And then just some tables. That was the only bar on campus. Yeah. That well, they actually place. had the bath. They had the basketball thing, too. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Oh, that was over by the fire exit. <laughs> <laughs> but the reason I'm bringing it up is because we were there one night at Brother Mike's and I heard dinner, 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 dinner. There was yep. some local Stonehill kids playing unglued. I'm like, dude, why do I know this song? And yep. then I thought of Lynchy. Who the fuck is killing this song? And they were playing yep. of all songs unglued. And it just stuck with me. Uh, yep. But this song was also the last song that Scott played before he died on his bus. I don't imagine. Fun, good song. Love it. Let's go to the next track, please. Like I said, I hadn't heard this album in a while, front to back. And I was playing it on shuffle the other day. And the first two seconds popped in. And I'm like, for some reason, I'm like, what the hell? Because I thought it changed songs. Because for some reason, that first two seconds makes me feel like wrapped around your finger police. Yeah. Right. It's got that same kind of start to it. Yep. Um, I kind of like it's a quick intro. And then it kind of goes into that fast pace. I'm not sure I love the fast pace though. It's it's the that punk feel. It has a good guitar solo. I think it's actually one of the better guitar solos. Fits the song perfectly. I think I was looking for kind of like this big type ending at the song instead of kind of just kind of fading away. I don't know. I didn't super enjoy this song. I, I just when it gets too fast, I kind of lose interest. Okay. Yeah, so the beginning is interesting, and I like there's like a little bit of a silent little pause, and the song just rips the drums and the riff. It's just constant, constant. I absolutely love the tempo and the pace of this and the drums, but the only little problem I have with this is when the lyrics start, when he starts saying, you don't look, but you kick me, you shan't feel, you, but you can't deal with the way I pray. I hate how the drums are kind of all over the place. Like it loses its rhythm for like 10, 15 seconds. And then it gets back on track with the regular pace of the song. And then I love his melody as he's singing the chorus. 
Um, and then it kind of slows down. Great solo for the outro. This is a song I really didn't pay a lot of attention to when the album came out because I'm like, ah, eh, this is kind of weird. I want to go back to, you know, Vaseline and, and those songs. But I, I, Army Ants rips. Uh, th- th- this is a really, really cool tune. So Army Ants, the, that trippy beginning, um, I like it. Uh, it's kind of weird, but what it reminds me of is uh, R.E.M.'s hair shirt. I don't know if you guys know the green album. You might know it, Tom. But a little that's bit, that, yeah. That ding, 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 like that whatever little opening trippy thing. And then it fucking kicks. Awesome shit. Uh, I love it. And it's a straight ahead rocker, very core-ish with that trippy kind of alt part in the beginning of it. So um, I, I like the, the lyric fall in those single file lines, like those like army ants. Yep. Oh, so fucking cool. It's and amazing. The drums before the solo are badass. Again, yes. I just, every once in a while, when you re listen to an album, you start getting into it. Uh, Eric Kretz is just a, so underrated as a drummer. Fucking fantastic job on this. I like the song. Although this and Still Remains always used to throw me off. Like if I didn't know where I was on the track and th- this song started and Still Remains, I'd be like, shit, which one is this again? <laughs> and, and I know this album inside out. It's just, but it reminds me of a mood. You put this album on. And you just like everything. And it, it seems like every song fits perfectly on this album. Like yep. you said about order of, of the songs. All right, guys, let's go to the last track. Stereo dining and then 
gracious melody to listen include this number okay so kitchenware and candy bars sell me down the river um okay let, let's well i like the finger picking i like the orchestration it shows the great voice God has, and in the end, Scott can really sell the pain. What a great, fuzzy, dirty guitar solo. I don't know who the fuck named the song. That was just dumb. Um, now, what's, interested, what's interesting is I read some sort of story that said it was a, another stab me in the back type song. Then I read somewhere that it might have been about an abortion that Scott's girlfriend, Scott's girlfriend had. And the lyrics do go, what I wanted is what we wanted is what she wanted. Yep. So that would make sense on the abortion story if that part's true. So then you get 30 seconds of nothing. And that's dangerous because (laughs) I owned this CD for five years before I knew there was another song. Yep. I had no idea. 30 seconds is too goddamn long. I agree. But whatever. So then you get to the elevator music, you know, hope you enjoyed them lounge song it's funny it's cheesy and i think it's a great idea i mm-hmm. i think what? this shows we ain't taking ourselves too seriously i love the the my second album song more than i love Get <laughs> oh jesus christ um you just fucked up my rankings because we're not ranking this last song well i love first it. oh sorry go ahead sonny but Hey, Kitchenware, love my second album. All right, this song loses points automatically because it's the stupidest fucking song title in every since we've done ARC. The settle down alternative guy. Ooh, <laughs> kitchenware and candy bars. Ooh, it's so it's so mysterioso. I, I look, I like it. It's a good song. I think it 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 adds itself to the list of epic album closers we talk about all the time. This does not of that tier. Um, I think it goes on a little too long and I don't think it gets to its point that I'd like to see it get to fast enough. Um, but I like it. I, I, it's a good song. I'm glad it's at the end. So I don't have to skip it, but I do like it, but it, it, it is a little, a little ponderous at times. And like Sonny said, the hidden track, I think is hilarious. That it, it, It's kind of them, them goofing on this whole hidden track bullshit that bands were doing in the nineties. It's funny. Um, it's, I mean, it's silly. It's stupid, but I, it's funny. I, like you said, it's tongue in cheek. It's, it's, it's STP saying, Hey, we're, we're kind of, we got a sense of humor. We're, we're, we're funny guys kind of, but the, the song itself, kitchenware and candy bars, it's okay. So kitchenware and candy bars again, it's another, uh, I would say, Nirvana, something in the way. It sounds just like it. A nice little moody kind of melancholy, kind of haunting song at the end. It kind of plods along, and then it gets to the chorus. I like it. Yeah, again, it fits the song. I mean, it fits the album. Um, yeah. Again, not the, hey, guys, come on over my house, and you crank this up. But right. if you're playing a like you know what I was just gonna say, like if you're playing Madden in a tournament and you got purple playing in the background, you don't skip this and get up and turn this off. You leave it on. Because that's what yeah. I think about with a yeah. lot of these Nirvana, Grunge, Pearl Jam, 
AIC albums. We would play the whole album. The whole album. In our dorm room playing like Madden and sitting there going nonstop battling. And this song is in the background. Right. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I like the thing. The lyrics are kind of, I don't know. But again, it works. Is Poison going to end their album with this? No. This is a whole new type of music, whole new type of culture. They're changed everything up. The game has changed. Along with it comes the foolishness at the end where, hey, let's get this lounge singer named Richard Peterson to sing yep. a song about 12 gracious melodies. <laughs> yep. Worth listening. Hope you enjoyed it. I think he is fucking funny. And that's great that they do something stupid like this. Now, we were just off the air, 10-minute conversation, whether we separate the tracks, whether we rank this track or not. But we decided to keep this together, so this is all track 11. Now, this is purple. So, I'll wrap up by saying it is one of my favorite albums, one of my favorite grunge albums. It has two of my favorite songs of all time. There's nothing on here that I do not like. I, uh, I've i always loved this album. It's very sentimental. And when anybody says STP, my mind immediately goes to purple. Immediately. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that uh, I have a, this, I don't know, moving feeling, this emotional sentimentality about it. And it's the same as I have about REMs. Um, automatic for the people. It's the same I would probably have for Nirvana's Nevermind. The same I would have for probably uh, Pearl James Ten. It's just albums that I had the best time of my life with my best of friends, and can't can't take away those memories. And these songs really were the soundtrack of the best times of my life. And mm-hmm. this was definitely one of them. Sunny. How dare you mention Ken and Nevermind with this? That stuff is shit. Oh, God. Um, okay. Oh, God. Scott can definitely write some deep lyrics. These guys, as a band, are great songwriters. I mean, you got heroin, you got love, you got sex, you got marriage, you got death. I mean, you got all the feelings that you would want. I would tell you Stone Temple Pilots is one of the three grunge bands that I can handle. They were the one of the three grunge bands I listened to because those three grunge bands were the closest to rock for me. The whole Pearl Jam ripoff thing, fuck you, whatever. I, I, I can't stand Pearl Jam, and STP is one of my top 100 bands of all time. So uh, I don't understand where the... I guess I don't listen to enough Pearl Jam, thank God, to figure out what the same is. <laughs> but uh, I, I really like the album. I don't think the album's perfect, and I don't go to it a ton. But the songs that are great are great, and the songs that are not so great aren't that bad. Yeah, this is like the soundtrack to my senior year in college. I mean, it came out came out the you know the summer as we're preparing for our senior year. I mean, I know the album inside and out. Um, first time in a long time, I've spent an extended period of time. I say this all the time. We do ARC. I love either discovering a new album or going back to an album that I had previously beaten into the ground. So spending a month with this album that I love and just revisiting songs that I haven't heard in a while. Cause I just, they were just part of my brain already. 
Um, the great songs are great. Sonny, you said it in the songs that aren't great are still good. Um, and it's just an iconic legendary snapshot album for me. And, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm psyched that Zeus picked it. I knew we were going to get to it. Um, and I'm, I'm glad we got to it now. The one thing I would add is they like Alice in Chains continue to put out albums. And they're good, very mm. good. Without As I Wayland, said, yeah. the band, the band itself, um, the music they put out is fantastic. It's it's kind of similar. Their guy that they got now, a little bit looks like Scott, sounds like Scott. His name is Jeff Gut. Very good. During uh, COVID, they did a live stream of just Purple. I purchased it. Yep. And watch them perform in a like a studio. They did the whole album. Fucking incredible. Yep. Incredible. They even had the sunglasses on, short hair. You look like a little young Graham Bonnet. But it works. They still can do good songs. Their last album they just put out was very good. And they had, you know, Chester Bennington for one like minor EP that they did. That's that's cool. Was, yes. Which was very good as well. Yep. And they don't get that much credit, but they do put out some good albums. Uh, I think Peridia, it came out in, in 2020. It's mm. got a fucking couple really good songs. A lot of good acoustics. Out. Try, listen to Fare Thee Well, the first song off the, that, of that album. Fucking incredible. And uh, I, again, but they did stupid shit. Like they did a Stone Temple Pilots self-titled in 2010. And then they got Jeff Gutt. They did Stone Temple Pilots 2018 self-titled. What the yeah. fuck is that? Yeah, that's stupid. Fucking assholes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, they still put out good music. You should listen to them. Give them a try. I bet you guys will like it. Um, what we do next, though, guys, is we go to the tracks. So my number 11, Pretty Penny. That is also my number 11. Really? Wow. Yep. My number 11 is Army Ants. Okay. Which is my number 10. My number 10 is Kitchenware and Candy Bars. That's my number 10. Okay. And that's my number nine. My number nine is Still Remains. Yeah, that's my number nine as well. Okay. My number eight is Silver Gun. Superman. Ooh. My number eight is Loungefly. Uh, number eight for me is Pretty Penny. Number seven for me is Still Remains. Number seven for me is Army Ants. Uh, number seven for me is Loungefly. Number six for me is Meat Plow. Number six for me is Unglued. Number six for me is Meat Plow. Number five for me is Lounge Fly. Number five for me is Meat Plow. And I'm glad I don't have to say Meat Plow anymore. Number five for me is Unglued. Number four for me is Big Empty. Number four for me is Silver Gun Superman. Four for me is Big Empty. You guys are fucking brain dead, both of you, but that's okay. I love you anyways. (laughs) I'll just I'll just put it gently. Number three for me is unglued. Number three for me is Vaseline. Oh, uh, three for me, Silver Gun Superman. It's all fucking kicks. Number two for me 
is Vaseline. Number two for me is Interstate Love Song. Two for me is Interstate Love Song. So that makes my number one Interstate. That makes Tommy's number one Big Empty. And And that makes Zeus's number one Vaseline. Which is perfect because those are the three best songs on the album, in my opinion. That's my one, two, and three. Silver Gun. Yep. All right. So top four, we got collectively Unglued was number four. Big Empty was number three. Vaseline two, Interstate Love Song one. Perfect. Good God, is there a bad song in those four? I don't Seriously. think we've ever agreed on like songs like Un- that. Unglued is going to get killed. Interstate's going to win this by a landslide. I don't know about that. Big Empty and Vaseline; know. those are three huge hits. Yeah. yeah, but you get the you get the the casuals. The, yeah, yeah, the casuals <laughs> the only SP, know Interstate. SDP tards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. So now we go to the album review crew major. Uh, list here and we review the album cover rankings um tom you want to give us your uh top five yep my top five album covers right now five highway to hell four moving pictures three rage against the machine two blizzard of oz and one purple rain i said at the beginning of this episode this cover is stupid it's i don't like it but it's not the worst because I do like the artwork a little bit. I think the little dragon is kind of okay, but I, it's just it's, it's dumb. Just dumb. Is it worse than semen and blood? Is it worse than Billy Squire's feet? <laughs> is it worse than The More You Know by Rainbow? Maybe this album cover isn't that bad now that I'm looking at all the horrible album covers we had. Is it worse than Bon Jovi's Hickory Nuts? <laughs> or Cinderella's Judah? Uh, I'm going to put this at, this is going to be 32. It's going to go below, not literally, but it's going to go below Bon Jovi's Hickory Nuts. <laughs> All right, 32 for you. Okay. Yep. Sonny. All right, so my top five right now are Moving Pictures. Four is Rage Against the Machine. Three is Come and Get It. Two is Slide It In. One is Peace of Mind. I don't actually think this album covers that bad, so I actually have it below Highway to Hell, above Slave to Grind at number 15. Okay. 15, wow. That's pretty high. All right, so for me, I had Slide It In, number five. Peace of Mind, number four. Appetite 3, Blizzard of Oz 2, Hotel California 1. Um, to me, I, you know, again, sometimes it's just because it's one of your favorite albums. So because of that, um, I'm going to put this uh, ahead of uh, Automatic for the People. Uh, and... Uh, Actually, I'm going to put it above Black Tiger, although that cover is pretty cool. I'm going to put it right underneath those nice titties on Once Bitten. So in between Black Tiger and Once Bitten. So I'll put this at number 12. 12. Wow. Okay. All right. Now we go to albums. Tom. Oh, boy. All right. My top five albums right now. Number five, 10, four, Rage Against the Machine, three, Shout at the Devil, two, Purple Rain, one, Moving Pictures. 
this is a struggle right now because I don't know if it's going to go above or below this because it's completely two different genres. But I got to go with my gut. I love purple, but I like mechanical resonance a little bit better. So purple is going to squeeze in at number seven, right above Operation Mind Crime and right below Tesla mechanical resonance. Wow. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Oh, I love this album. Great album. Sonny. All right. So top five for me right now. Five is Appetite. Four slided in. Three Hailstorm. Two Purple Rain. One Black Tiger. We have 41 albums, right? Yep. Yes. All right. So this one's going to be number 41. What? What? I'm kidding. Oh, my God. I was like, wait, you spent like two hours saying how much you love the album. (laughs) Like I said, the album, the, the, the good songs are great. The uh, the songs I don't like that much aren't that bad. So I kind of got it somewhat in the middle of the list. So I have it below OU812, but above Shout at the Devil. So I've got it at number 23. You have this above Shout at the Devil? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. How you have OU812 above Shout at the Devil? Jesus. Yeah, dude, there are some amazing songs on OU812. There are? <laughs> are they bonus tracks on the deluxe edition that we oh, yo, oh you're talking about sucker in a three-piece okay <laughs> and that ain't it <laughs> oh man all right, all right. Zeus. are we gonna are we gonna ring the bell this whoop this month ah oh, all right we haven't, rung, so, we haven't rung the bell in a long time here number five appetite three pyromania three uh Four Pyromania, three Blizzard of Oz, two Hotel California, one Automatic for the People. I think I got fucking drunk on Automatic for the People because I still think in Hotel California is better. But, um, and that's the problem I'm having right now. I'm having second guesses that I should have Hotel California above Automatic. Do we talk about this all the time? We should have an episode where we can re rank some of these things. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to put purple number one. Yes, ring the bell, baby. Woohoo! Because I do like it a little bit better than Automatic for the People. Nice. Because nice. there are the worst songs on Purple are much better than the worst songs on Automatic. But the I songs agree. on Automatic for the People that I really love just stick out. And they're, it's a, they're both mood albums for me. That yes, I, I, just, I always get excited when we get a new number one. Yeah, so I'm going to put Purple number one. And this is awesome. not my favorite album, so this won't always remain here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Excellent. Wow. So that means we're on to this. Tom. What makes you rock hard? Well, this movie doesn't make me rock hard. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> if this movie made me rock hard, you'd have to check me into an insane asylum. But uh, you, everybody who listens to the show knows I'm a massive horror movie fan. And one of the great horror movies in recent memory that came out in the theaters not long ago just dropped on Max, formerly known as HBO Max. Yeah, and that is it. And that is Evil Dead Rise. Holy fuck, dude. This is one of the nastiest, gnarliest, goriest, just 
vicious fucking movies I've ever seen. If you like the Evil Dead movies, this fits in perfectly with the storyline, the themes of the of the the Necronomicon, the Deadites, and all that. Um, the plot is a little bit different. It takes place in a high rise. It affects a single mom and her kids. And there is just some real, just brutal gore and special effects stuff that really makes you like, oh, like, oh, my God. A couple of really cool set pieces in this. If you're a horror movie fan, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. But just be be warned. This is not paranormal activity or the conjuring. This is a nasty fucking movie, but it's it's fun. Oh, and the final scene involves a wood chipper. I'll just put it to you that way. You nasty. Oh, baby, you nasty. I want a divorce. <laughs> Somebody broke wind. That's, that's some long distance fart. Sonny, what do you got, buddy? All right. So this also doesn't make me rock hard because, you know, it wouldn't be appropriate. Um, it took 29 years Uh-oh. for me and Nicole to agree on a band. What? 29 years. We don't listen to the same music. Okay. So, you know, although we'll tolerate, you know, she'll tolerate some of my stuff. I'll tolerate some of her stuff. We never really got into a band that we both really liked so much. So that I went, listened to the whole discography, came up with my own greatest hits, that kind of thing. And it's Toby Mac. And I don't know if you know who Toby Mac is. I he's don't. a Christian pop singer. He's a Christian pop singer. Wow. Okay. It's kind of it, it's pop rock basically. So okay. Toby Mac's been around since um 87. He was in DC Talk for like 13 years and then went solo on his own. Has his has nine studio albums. Homie sells out theaters slash arenas all through the Midwest. Okay. And he's playing here three times in four months and will sell out each show. Wow. Okay. But he is doing exactly what you would wish kiss was doing. He brings people with him, and like introduces these new singers in Christian rock and pop along with his show. Right. So it's like a comedian bringing out an opener, that kind of thing. Toby Mac does the same thing. That's cool. It's so there's, you know, it's part, Hip hop, part pop, part rock. There's some, you know, dancing to it. It's all feel good music. So if you've never heard Toby Mac, I would tell you, like, try these two songs. Help is on the way and everything. And I'm telling right. you, those two songs, I'm not much of a religious guy, blah, blah, blah. I don't like, yeah. I don't really do any of that stuff. But, but, uh, those two songs make you feel good. And you wish Kiss was doing that for like the warning or, plush or you know yeah. something like that that I takes wish some my new God, bands yeah. out and do stuff yeah this guy's having success and he's kind of sh- spreading the success which is great nice cool so I, i'll I've spread been, the dude, success been, pay me money yeah yeah exactly, exactly. Like he's getting money. i've been binging toby mac for like four months nice so yeah cool all right so for me uh, I've been binging something since our Vegas trip, Tom, and that is um, mob shit. Okay. I can't get enough of mob documentaries, movies, TV stuff, but I like the real stuff. Like, I don't want phony yeah. stuff, except for yeah. The Godfather. I want 
oh, this is what happened when Vito Genovese did this. This is uh, Lucky Luciano. I like the historical aspect of it. Um, and so I try to get some. There is the, so there are two fails and one I'm going to recommend. I watched this movie called Mob Town, which came out in 2019. All I've got to tell you is the main character is played by David Arquette. What? Yeah, the movie's not bad. It's not that bad. I don't know if they were trying to be serious or not. I saw the movie. It's about yeah. the, the big, huge part of the mob where they had that meeting in upstate New York, Appalachian, and they all got caught because all of a sudden the local town, he started seeing all these mob rich people pulling up to this little thing, and they started getting the license plate, and they found out it's like a meeting of the whole all the mob, the biggest mob yeah. in the world. And they all ran into the woods and they all got caught. They even talk about it in Goodfellas. It's before Appalachian. It's before all Crazy Joe. He plays the the cop. Chase. I'm like, good God, this is fucking horrendous. <laughs> this is Reels doing a mob movie. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Reels. Yeah. So then I went to another movie that came out. And this came out in 97. Anybody see Hoodlum? Oh, that's terrible. No, I've never seen that. Oh, my that's God. Terrib- that's terrible. So is, it, like- is it worse than Mobsters? Remember that piece of it, shit? It's about, I didn't it's think that, that was that bad. Oh, oh God. It's, it's so it, cheesy. It's well, I like Dutch Schultz's story. Yeah. Crazy fucking person. Crazy. Yeah. Well, at one point, he went on against. He might have been in your uh, Godfather Harlem. I haven't seen that show yet. He might have been a character, Dutch Schultz, in that series. Because he was the one that went up against the, all the uh, Harlem rackets and stuff. And yep. he was the Jewish gangster that wanted to kill Thomas Dewey. And he's famously got murdered with his head on the table. Dutch Schultz is awesome. So I watched it because it's got Lawrence Fishburne in it. It's got Andy Garcia playing Lucky Luciano. Holy shit. It is Mobsters Part 2, Tom. Oh, yeah. Do not waste your time. Terrible. So, what's the, so tell us the good movie. Okay. <laughs> so instead, I just did a search on my Verizon files, anything mafia, and these documentaries came up, and it's called Mafia's Greatest Hits. Nice. It's got all these mob, like every episode is like 45 minutes on a different mobster. Vito Genovese, Carmine Galante, Donnie Brasco, Joe Valacci, uh, nice. Tony Spilatro, and there's two seasons of it. Each episode is like 45 minutes, and it's always got the same, like, you know, real footage that they show the old time footage. And then it's got like five or six reoccurring people commenting about, Oh, he was the craziest mobster of all time. He'd he'd kill you in two seconds. Like it's just, what's it on? I, so I searched it on files and I got it free on demand. So it's out there. The, The series is like 10 years old, Tom. Okay. I think it's free on most subscriptions. It's called the Mafia's Greatest Hits. Nice. The one that I found it on that I got it free from was something called America's American Heroes Channel. Yes, I have that. I think that's on YouTube TV. I have yeah, that. Yeah. So that's free. And that's where I found it. American Heroes. Now, here's an episode on Joe Bonanno. Like, what yeah, the fuck? Exactly. But <laughs> we're, I, show, we're showing like war vets and yeah. heroes. Now here comes organized crime. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, they have reenactment in it and you kind of laugh at it and stuff. But it's nice, easy, disposable, 45 minutes on every mob. By the time you finish it, 
you get your kind of mob fix and you start yeah. remembering all the old characters we would talk about. Um, I love that stuff. If you like mob in, uh, in American history, it's fun. Nice. Well, well Tom, Sonny, I think we're on some sort of podcast. Sonny, you're on about 50. Want to tell us uh, where we can find you? Uh, things are going well at Podcast Rock City. We are coming up on our 10th year. Wow. So um, it's been a long ride there. Uh, and then Grown Up Rock, we are six years plus. We joined Pantheon uh, about a month ago. Yes. So that's going well. Um, so all things are good. And uh, this is going to release on Wednesday. So. Let's see Thursday, Friday. So three days after this releases, I will be at quarantine in Franklin, Ohio. Oh, nice. Awesome. So anybody out there that's going to those uh, concerts, make sure you look up Sonny and uh, bring yeah. some tomatoes and start chucking them at him. <laughs> and if you miss it, Jericho, <laughs> all the better. Tom, what about us? Are we around somewhere? Yes, yeah, so shout it out loudcast. If this is your first time hearing us, we are primarily an all kiss podcast. Drop new episodes every Saturday, but we do the album review crew with Sunny once a month. Usually the episodes drop on the final Wednesday of each month. We try to stay on schedule. Uh check us out on our website, shoutoutloudcast.com for all of our information and our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And uh yeah, we're everywhere. So check us out, follow us, and uh go back and listen to all the other ARC episodes. These are a ton of fun. We love doing these, so these are always fun. Yeah. We always like to end on famous last words. Sonny, you got any? Don't have a nickel or a dollar, but you feed me. My bottle's empty, but you always refuel me. I feel I'm sinking, but you won't. Let me drown me. I want to fuck. I want to fuck. <laughs> but do you need me? <laughs> of, course, of course, that's his lyric. All right. Rolling back the days. With my friend, I love to play. The little one. Superman with silver gun. Nice. Love that song. All right. All right. The second album. 12 Gracious Melodies. Oh, no, you didn't. To listen. Include this number. Keeping you company. Oh, man. Nice. Sonny. Tommy. Loudcasters. Kiss Army. STP Tards. Everyone. Thank you. Always a great time. Always a great hang. Oh, my God. The Patreon pick is next. Oh, what the fuck did you bring that up for? Guys, great time. I love these ARC episodes. Zeus, thank you for picking a nice, fun album, Trip Down Memory Lane. Everybody, brace yourself and pray for mercy because the month of July is Patreon. Sonny, Zeus, thank you, guys. Peace out, Girl Scout. All right, listen, stop eating cold cuts because it's seeking. It's coming through your pores. Oh, all right. Okay, we'll do. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 